Well, good morning. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Jake Brooks. I'm one of the pastors here at Community Church. But I'm not one for titles, but my job title has some interesting specificity to it. You all have called and affirmed me to be the Associate Pastor of Discipleship. What does that mean? I mean, what even is discipleship? Tim mentioned that during uh, the announcements this morning, that sort of the discipleship hour is happening at 9 o'clock, a time of of committed uh, growth and discipleship. But what does this word discipleship even mean? I think before I even ask that, maybe I need to break it down a little bit smaller. What even is a disciple? I'm actually asking and inviting some responses. What, what is a disciple? What is it? Yep, to be taught. Yep, yep. What is a disciple? Spit it out. Yeah, in the back. Somebody who follows somebody else. Excellent. Nice job, Luke. What's a disciple? A learner. Awesome. It's almost like that guy works and does discipleship. <laughs> I'd imagine most of us, if we've met Jesus, we feel pretty comfortable with the word Christian, right? We feel pretty comfortable with that term Christian. How about disciple of Jesus? Do you go around telling people, I'm a disciple of Jesus? What, you know, what faith background do you have? I'm a disciple of Jesus. That feels a little bit weirder, right? It's a little bit foreign to say that. But that's who you are. If you have met Jesus, if you have placed your trust in his work on your behalf and embraced him as Lord over your life, You are a disciple. These things are synonymous. Christian and disciple are absolutely synonymous. And yet, this Christian word has a lot of baggage to it. It's taken on a meaning of its own. And I think, in fact, these two words function in two different ways for us. Christian is like this label that we put on. It's like an ID card or a name tag that we put on. But disciple is this word that has action attached to it. You can't just be a disciple of, and of what? You can't stand alone as a disciple. It's, well, you're a disciple of whom? It points to a relationship. Now, I'm not saying we should abandon the word Christian. Not at all. I'm just saying that if you open up your, your New Testament, the NIV and the Pew Bibles in front of you, and if I was to say, find the word Christian in there, you'd find it three times. Disciple, 296 times. And I think we should pay attention to that. And these, these two terms, they do refer to the same thing. To someone who is following Jesus, growing to trust Him more and committed to His purposes in the world. But when we consider this word disciple, I think there's some additional things we can, we can get, some insights we can get as to what it means to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus. In a basic study of this word disciple, whether it's from the Bible or whether it's from secular common usage, you know, there's, there's disciples of Socrates or Gandhi or maybe even Oprah. I don't know. <laughs> Looking at this word reveals a couple things, and I heard some of them. Disciples. Well, first off, they spend time with the one they follow. They learn what the one that they follow teaches. 
They become more like the one that they follow. And lastly, they share the message of the one they follow. If you have met Jesus, given your life to him, then this is your identity. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Not just here, but 24-7 everywhere. So now about this discipleship word. <laughs> this word here. And isn't discipleship like a class that you take? It's like the thing for like extra, super special, mature Christians, right? And I think that's the way we make it out in our minds. Like we can say, I like Jesus, but I don't have time for the extra credit stuff like discipleship. But hear me, if the identity of every person who comes to a saving knowledge of Jesus is that you are a disciple, spending time with him, learning from him, becoming like him, and sharing with others what he has to say, well then discipleship, that's just the process that we go about doing it. It's the process by which we follow Jesus more and more. And I don't know about you, but when I first met Jesus, when I first gave my life to the Lord, it was amazing. The light turned on. But yet, this question of like, okay, so but what now? How do, how do I actually go about following him? Was a really important question. Where do you even start? Especially if you've just met Jesus. You're still brand new to this whole thing. Where do you even start? And I think more, more often than not, the reason why we don't see growth in our life is because we don't know how. Where, where are some steps? How do I even begin? And so for the next four weeks, we are actually going to be exploring and looking through the lens of Scripture at four different places in this very church, in our church family, in our body, that we have invested in equipping our church to know how to follow Jesus more and more, to grow as followers of Jesus. And we're going to be talking about discipleship for these next four weeks. The meat of our preaching at Community Church is to study whole books of the Bible. But every January, we take some time and we study a topic of following Jesus. A st study a topic of, of a piece of what life as a follower of Jesus looks like. And this January, we're going to be focused on this. How do we actually grow to follow Jesus more and more right here? And this morning, I want to start in maybe even the simplest of places. Kind of a first stop. Where you're sitting right now. <laughs> Gathered together to sit under God's Word as a congregation. And we will see this morning that as we gather together, we need to come to this place ready to follow Jesus. Our text this morning is from Paul's letter to Timothy. Um, it's found on page 964 in your Black Pew Bibles, if you want to follow along there. I'll also have it up on the screen. Now Paul is writing in this book a letter to Timothy. He was a missionary in the very, very early years of the church, and he was like a spiritual son to Paul. Paul cared deeply about equipping him to follow Jesus as a disciple, but he also was trying to equip him how to shepherd and lead the church in Ephesus on how they could grow to follow Jesus more. So let's pay attention very closely to what Paul tells Timothy about how to focus 
his ministry towards this church to grow to follow Jesus. 1 Timothy 3.14 through chapter 4.5. Hear God speak through the words of this letter. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own de desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. This is the word of the Lord. Now what is Paul talking about? Remember, his aim is to help Timothy lead this little church to know how to follow Jesus more. And he focuses his attention here in these verses to something that we are doing right now the opening of God's Word to sit under it together. This is going to be a really strange sermon because we're going to talk about sermons. It's a sermon about sermons. And I want to call you to participate together with me. We need that. Every Sunday, every sermon, but I need your help this morning. Because what is happening right now is all about following Jesus more. This is why we have a sermon every week. So let's sit underneath God's Word together here. What do we see in Paul's words to Timothy? The first thing is that the Bible is God speaking. The context of our passage for Paul is that he's warning Timothy that in the days to come, things are going to get crazy. If you read a little bit further back from where we started, people are becoming more and more selfish greedy, without self-control, and lawless. But he tells Timothy, remember my approach. Remember Paul's approach. Stay faithful to turn to what God says over and over again. It is a firm foundation. He says, when things get crazy, you are not alone. He's saying you have a living guide. His written word in the Bible. This is his very words actively speaking. He says the most amazing thing. All Scripture is God-breathed. It is the breath of God. It is God currently speaking in this very moment through His letter. Did you notice what I said prior to reading the passage? I said, hear God speak through the words of this letter. That's not just some rote formality that we do, that we include in the worship service, and then everyone says, thanks be to God. This is because we need the utter reminder 
that what we are sitting underneath is God's breath, His voice, Him speaking to us when we open His Word. When we as the people of God who have met Jesus, we are sitting at His feet, eager to hear Him speak over us. He is speaking when we open His Word. And yes, this happens every single time you open up the Bible. When you do it alone in your room, when you open up the Bible with a friend, when you listen to it on tape, if anybody still has tapes, if you do it on audiobook, this happens every single time. God is still speaking. But when we do so together, we're embracing the practice of the people of God that goes all the way back to Moses. God said to Moses in Deuteronomy 4.10, Assemble the people before me to hear my words. This set the shape and the pattern for the people of God to sit underneath him as he speaks. This is why in Jesus' day, the people met in the synagogue to read the law. This is why in the early church, the people met to read the scriptures and to read the letters back aloud. And this is what we do when we participate together in this thing called preaching. When we talk about discipleship and that question of what now, we've met Jesus, but how do we follow him? He's not physically right here. It's not like any one of us could have said, oh yeah, yeah, I followed Jesus on the way here. He was right in the car in front of me. No, like, it, it's, it's different, but we have this question of, so how do we actually go about doing this? How do we actually go about following him? Well, the starting place is to say, he is still speaking. And we can very much sit right at his feet when we open his word together. It's his very breath being poured out for us. And when we do this crazy thing called driving to church and sitting in these pews, it's kind of weird. When we do this thing, it's not just, we don't just do it because, well, it's Sunday and that's what you're supposed to do. No, we do this because we want to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear him speaking, hear him calling us forward. We do this together to worship him, to exalt his name. The Bible is God speaking, is what Paul is saying to Timothy. And for us, we need to come to church ready to follow Jesus as you hear him speak. The second thing we see in the text, Paul continues on. He says that God is speaking in Scripture and it's very purposeful. It is to equip us for our calling. Paul tells Timothy, it is useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And you know what the picture is that I have when I hear this? I picture a parent guiding and raising up a child on how to grow. And this is the image that I've been thinking about as I've been just considering this idea of what does it look like to follow Jesus more and more and more. Because before we met Jesus, the Bible says that we were in utter darkness. crawling around in utter darkness. But now I've met him and the light's been turned on. 1 Peter 2.9 says, God has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. But now that the light's on, it's not like I can jump on up and sprint. <laughs> I've been crawling my whole life. I don't even know how to take a step yet much less 
follow. How do we even learn how to walk if we haven't taken a step before? And this is the image that comes to my mind. This is my oldest daughter, and it's her first steps. She's pretty cute. That's the image that I have. Like a parent trying to teach their child how to walk. We show them, we encourage them, we pick them back up when they fall down. We help to train them, and they learn how to take their first steps. When we sit under God's Word, we are taught. We are even cut to the core and rebuked. We are corrected and trained. And when we open the Word together to sit underneath it as a body and participate in this thing called preaching, it is absolutely a part of discipleship. It's the starting place in some ways for learning how to walk as a follower of Jesus. And that's exactly what Paul tells Timothy. He says, when we sit under it, it accomplishes this, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. They may be equipped for their new identity as a follower of Jesus. In preaching, God is speaking and we sit under it together to hear Him speak. But also in preaching, God is accomplishing something for a purpose. He's equipping us, raising us up that we might learn how to walk and follow Him. So come to church ready. Come to this place ready to follow Jesus and to be trained on how to walk, how to follow Jesus. There's one more thing that we see in Paul's letter to Timothy. And he's highlighting what is uniquely different about what happens here when the body gathers. See, if preaching was just Bible reading, if that was all that it was, then you all would have told me to stop after I said, this is the word of the Lord. Now sit down, Jake. That's it. That would make things a lot quicker around here, right? But preaching isn't simply Bible reading. And it's not simply just explaining some of the language nuance, you know, it added some, some cool little flair. Did you know? It, preaching is also the work of being in relationship and all up in each other's business. It's about being a family. Getting into each other's lives and looking to hear how God may be saying something to us and how we might need to hear something from Him. How He might be saying, and for Community Church of East Gloucester, focus here. This is something we do together. It absolutely requires the cooperation of a congregation and of a preacher, all of us together. Listen to what Paul continues to tell Timothy. He says, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Now this word preach has a very specific meaning. I'm going to give you some of the nuance here. A very specific meaning. And it also has taken on a very negative connotation. So we need to know that at the start. You may have heard or had this thought before. You're like, I wish they would just stop preaching at me. Or, she is sounding very preachy. 
But what does this word preach even mean? Keruso, it means something very, very important. It, it, it was this word for a public herald to announce, to declare something. And in the New Testament, over and over again, this word is matched up with the gospel, which means that it was to, to announce good news. That's what Paul is telling Timothy to do. Preach the word and preach the gospel. Preach, announce the good news. Announce the good news that Jesus came, He died on the cross for you, He rose again from the dead to create a new creation, to start a new thing. And I think the reason why this takes on this really negative connotation is because the idea that I need to be saved directly implies that there's something wrong with me. And our natural inclination is to not want to hear that. Paul says as much. He does not mince words. People won't like hearing the truth, even of the good news of Jesus. Because people would much rather gather around them all kinds of teachers who will tell them exactly what their itching ears want to hear. This is what makes preaching uniquely different than just opening the Bible up and reading it. In this space, we are in relationship with one another as a congregation and as a family. And we care about each other. And the teacher's charge, whether it's the pastor or an elder or a lay teacher who's invited to, to teach and preach for our church, they are left with the same charge to speak the truth of God's word that needs to be said to our church body. And to do so with patience and with care. But we do not look to tell people what they want to hear. Neither do we look to just simply offend. But we look to do the work of being faithful to what God says and understand that we are in a relationship of a body. We belong to each other. And in preaching, we have an obligation to say what needs to be said. So as I said, this needs the cooperation of a gathered church together, the whole body. And what does that look like? It means coming to church ready to follow Jesus by hearing what God needs you to hear, what God is calling out to you to hear. Don't let yourself come into this place looking to hear what your itching ears want to hear. That's just our natural inclination. And I'm not saying this in an accusatory type of way. This is all of us. This is myself included. Know that God is speaking when we sit under His Word in this space. And it will equip us to grow as followers. So hear what God needs us to hear. Now, all of this points to a reality. That the gathered church, when we come into this room and sit in these pews, this is not a spectator sport. We all have parts to play. Every single one of us. And when we gather here, what we are doing right now is one of the first steps in discipleship. We've come to the place ready to grow as followers. So the question I want to ask is this. How can this setting in 2020, the one that we're sitting in right now, be changed in order that it would actually be a first place to grow as a disciple this year? That this could be a very starting place to learn how to follow Jesus more and more. 
When we come to this sanctuary, we come here to exalt Christ, to proclaim the good news of Jesus, and to equip one another. And it can be very easy to come in here unready. We can show up here half asleep or with masks on, pretending that everything's okay. Or we can come in here with one foot ready to go right back out the door. Or even with blind pride thinking we have it all together. And I would argue that when we do that, we miss out on the opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus and have him call us forward to follow him more, to lead us and train us and equip us as disciples. Don't we want that? There's a lot of opportunities to grow as, as a disciple when we gather together in the congregation. And I am focusing my attentions very specifically on just one thing. We can grow as we sing songs, as we come forward to give, as you serve. There are many people who aren't even able to hear the sermon right now because they are serving elsewhere in our church this morning. We can even grow just as we linger after the service. But we focus our attention this morning very specifically on what's happening right now. And I want us to stop and reflect on how we're being discipled in this moment as we participate in this thing called preaching. It's hard for me to hear statements at times like this. Coming to church just gives me that little thing I need. Where the pastor was, he was, you know, he or she was so inspiring today. We don't come here for a nice snack. Forming and transforming is what happens in this place, in these pews. This is where God uses his hammer and his chisel to make something utterly beautiful out of stumps. And it's so easy to feel like preaching is something that is performed for us. And I don't preach that often, so I can very easily say this. <laughs> it's really easy to feel like it's something that's performed for us. We can approach preaching like it's Netflix, you know? Hoping that it'll provide some source of entertainment. And I don't care if you're like Stephen Furtick or John Piper or name your, your, your large pastor who we watch the videos of online. It, it's not going to be as entertaining as Star Wars. It just isn't because it's not supposed to be. When we gather, we gather under the Word of God. Just like the people gathered in Moses' day, we gather to hear what God has, has to say. And if I can say very briefly, as a preacher, this is an incredibly, hauntingly humbling experience to stand here and to preach. To know that it is my responsibility to help open God's Word with you all. To help guide our church to see what God has to say. And yes, as a preacher, I bring my experiences to the pulpit. I bring my personality and study. But it's so not about the preacher. My job is to help lead you to see God, not me. And in some ways, I think a great example, Tim was sharing this with me this past week, is it's like a park guide, a national park guide. And imagine with me for a second that you had the awesome opportunity to go to Yosemite National Park. And in order to get around and understand the park, 
you want to have a park guide to help show you where to go, what to see. But if you walked away from a day at Yosemite and all you thought was, wow, that park guide was so charismatic and funny. Or, wow, was she boring. Anybody would rightly stop you and say, who cares about the guide? What was El Capitan like? What was Half Dome like? What were were the sequoias like? Who cares about the guide? (laughs) Did you just go to see the park guide? It's the same with preaching. This means it isn't about entertainment, but this is of the utmost importance. This is absolutely focused on us growing more and more as disciples of Jesus. This is about following Jesus. And if the preacher's responsibility is to dauntingly and humbly approach sharing God's word, then there's recognizing that there's also a responsibility for us as a congregation, as listeners, as a body coming to gather together to sinner's word. We all have an obligation as we enter this place. So what then is our responsibility when we come? And this might seem like a really silly question, but how do you listen to a sermon? How do you do it? Right? Like, don't you just sit and listen? And if you're Chris Love, you're occasionally the punchline of a joke. Again? What's happening when we sit under God's word together? It isn't a passive activity. It requires training. We've got to actually grow to, to learn how to do it. And I'm calling this series that we're, we're in right now a how-to. And I know that sounds pretty presumptuous. I'm not saying I know all the ways by any means. But because I really believe that there are very practical ways in which we can actually embrace following Jesus more and more, growing And so I want to give us some actually really practical examples about what we're doing right now. When we gather together as a congregation to sit under God's Word, when we come to church, when we come to the worship service, I want to invite you in this coming season to come expecting. Expecting God to speak. That means being attentive. That means being rested before we come in here. Kind of excited. God is going to speak. We're going to sit under His Word together. This also just means like bringing a journal or bringing something to write with or or getting a new Bible that is interleaved or has margins on the side because it's like God's going to speak. I want want to write it down. I I want to notice. I want to make sure that I remember what I notice. Come expecting. This also means come humbly. God's word should and will offend our sinful sensibilities. To listen humbly is to admit that I am broken before a holy God and what he says goes. And I need to be changed by what he says. And I'll be honest, this one's really hard for me. Because it's really easy for me 
when I'm sitting under someone else's preaching, to be sitting there wondering how others are going to respond to it. I wonder if you can relate to me at all on this. I wonder how, how that will stick with that person. Will that be relevant or engaging? Will that be offensive to that person? And what I miss out on is I'm not humbly sitting there and letting God speak to me. We don't sit in judgment of His Word. It stands firm as the Word of the rightful judge, Jesus Christ. We also can come with our Bibles. This might seem like a really simple, easy one. I want to make this practical as possible. If you don't have your own copy of the Bible, we can get you a copy. Honestly, come find me after the service. We can get you a copy. But as I said, the goal of preaching is to direct the follower of Jesus to see what God is saying in His Word. That means having your own Bible to look at. Come with your Bible. This will help you to really engage with what God is saying. If you're asking, where did they get that? Is he just making that up? Where did he get that? Read the passage beforehand to come ready and prepared. And if what is being said is not accurate to the text, come forward with your questions, please. Now do it gently because this can be kind of a raw experience, so ask those questions gently. But if you are curious and wondering, I don't see that, ask. Don't let the preacher off the hook. This is one of the reasons that we have a preaching team. It's because we want to foster and grow and train more and more of our church to be biblically accurate. Come to church week by week. This one might seem obvious as well. But with drive-in churches, with streaming services, and with podcasts, which we do have as well, you can lose so much. Not only do you lose the fact that I know you and you know me, but way more important than that is you got people to your left and your right. And when we sit together here under God's word, we very much should be doing this. You heard that too? (laughs) You didn't hear that. You heard that too? Let's hold each other to it. You miss that. You utterly miss that when you don't come to church week by week. And lastly, finish this thing up. Come ready with a plan to respond. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. We've intentionally changed up the back of our bulletin this year. If you have a bulletin, take a look at it. Flip it around to the back page. We've intentionally changed it up this year. And it's just got two really small, easy questions. But that was a decision to say, there has got to be an application every week from preaching. Now, it may not hit you in the same way every week, and sometimes it might be you know, this is something that that is just put away for a season. It might not be for this week. But every single week, every sermon, the role of the preacher is to say what needs to be said. And there should be an application. And that's what we're doing right now. And I would invite you, if if you need a space, use the back of the bulletin where it says, how do I respond? Actually make a plan and share it with somebody. And if you are the neighbor who that is shared with, 
what an awesome responsibility that you've been given. Do not miss out on that. Someone says after a service, say, would you think about that? They say, well, I, I love to see this happen in my life. I'd love to see change here. You have been invited into an amazing moment in someone's life. Don't let that moment pass without coming back the next week and saying, how did that go? How did that go? When we stop to think about what sitting underneath God's Word together in a sermon looks like, it's a little eye-opening and a little daunting. Preaching that makes a church more and more Christ-like requires a double miracle. First, that God would use a sinful preacher to share His Word. And that a sinful congregation would have their ears opened and their eyes awakened to the grace of hearing His Word open for, for us in humble expectancy. I mean, only God can do this. This is why we gather together and we pray up front before the service. It's not just a rote formality. It's because we are in utter need of God to do His thing when we gather in this place. So let me ask you this morning, how should you respond today? What needs to change for you to be open to God drawing you into following Jesus more and more through the discipleship that happens in this place? And I've really tried to go super practical here this morning because I want to paint a picture that this is possible, that there is growth that can happen this year in 2020 for you as a disciple of Jesus. And in this context, this January we're going to be talking about how to follow Jesus more and more this year as, the, as his disciples. And in the coming weeks we're going to talk about some different contexts, small groups. We're going to talk about even personally growing. But today we focused on, in some ways, kind of a very starting place where you already are. I don't got to invite you to an extra thing. You're already here. But to consider how in this place we can continue to grow as followers of Jesus. My prayer over this series is that as a church we would embrace our calling to follow Jesus 24-7 with all of our lives, to lay it all down at His feet, and that we would embrace a culture that, of discipleship in our church that says, and this is my identity, this is my calling And that in some ways, we begin this every week on the first day of the week when we gather under His Word together. As we've seen from God's Word this morning, when we gather, we need to know that the Bible is God speaking. He's equipping us for how to follow Him. And we need to hear how God is calling us to follow. So if you're keeping score on the back of the bulletin now, you've noticed this place for the first time, and it says, what's the big idea? It's this. Come to church ready to follow Jesus. We want to follow Jesus more and more this year. And we do so as we keep in step with the Spirit, as we listen to God's Word, and as we engage in this church family. Gathering together for worship is a starting place, and I hope it's not the only place. I hope maybe even through this series you can be captured by some opportunities. But this is a starting place because we want to see this place invite you into deeper discipleship relationships. And when we gather, I want to encourage you. I want to exhort you. I want to urge you. Come here ready to follow Jesus more and more this year. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that you have not le left us alone. 
that You have given us Your Holy Spirit, Your presence in our very midst, that You have given us Your Word, which is living and active, and that You've given us a church family. You have not left us alone. So God, when we hear Your invitation, come follow You. Lord, we trust that You are good. We trust that You will not leave us alone. That You will pick us up when we fall down. That You will remind us of Your grace, that it is perfect. That You've invited us into life, life following You. God, let us be captured by that. Let us not settle for anything less then life live with you, the living God. Call us further and deeper this year. Even in simple ways, Lord. Even if it just means in this place when we gather that we would have our attention a little bit more focused on you. That we would come a little bit more expecting. Wherever it might be, God, stir in us. Start to continue to do this new thing in us, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We're so thankful for your grace. We're so thankful for your goodness. It is perfect. It's covered us once and for all. And we trust in that. We're so excited for the life that you've called us into as well, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.